0: I am excited to introduce my guest. She's an accomplished entertainment industry professional and international consultant with more than 20 years in Hollywood, having produced and sold award-winning movies, documentaries, and shorts. She's a partner of Little Studio Films and has personally discovered and mentored emerging filmmakers. She's the host of her own podcast, The Heart of Show Business. I wanna welcome Alexia Maloki. Welcome to Hollywood Dreammaker.
1: Thank you very much for having you on or oh, for having me actually I don't have you on my show I'm going to have you on my show next but for being on your show it's so awesome you and I started this podcast almost at the same time and we're pretty much talking about the same thing which It's going to make it so easy to have this conversation. Thank you for having me. It's Uh, awesome.
0: I've been wanting to have you on as a guest. You know, we we met when we created our podcast. You know, we were in the same course together. Shout out to Michelle Soro and Ginny Media. You know, it was this uh, amazing program and, and we were there creating our podcast. And now we're like, what, almost a year later and you have a very successful podcast. And my podcast is very successful. And it's been, uh, it's an amazing journey. And, and you know, I knew from the get-go that I wanted to have you on the show. So I'm glad that, you know, we can make this happen.
1: Yes. Thank you for having me. And I have what you and I have in common, I think, is that we are so in love with artists. And we're so in love with the arts and, and people pursuing these incredible creative dreams because you have done them, you pursued them, and you succeeded through hard work and mindset, right, as I did. And I think we have so much to give to the community. So why not allow others to hear our success stories and our struggles and our journeys and get inspired and put out great work? Because it's really all about putting out great work, right? So I'm here, squeeze my brain, my friend. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so, you know, I created the Hollywood Dreammaker podcast to inspire young artists to follow their dreams. You know, if a kid like me from Brooklyn, you know, from a broken home from the streets can come out to Hollywood with a dream and make that dream a reality, then why can't you? You're a producer in Hollywood. You, I mean, I was looking on your IMDb. You have like 23 films or you produce, you have 26 in development. You have your own production company. How did you make that dream to a reality? So I'd love to start where, you know, you first knew you wanted to be in the entertainment industry.
1: Yes, that's such a great question, and I think it totally happened by luck. You know, I was born in Italy and I grew up in Italy, and I grew up watching Happy Days and Cheers and Dallas and Dynasties and Chip. And my biggest dream was to go live in America, and uh, that's really all I knew about America. You know, and and by pure chance, my mother ended up moving there, and I was fourteen years old. I wrote on the diary, my biggest dream is to go live in America forever. And literally a year later, I am here in L.A. I've never seen L.A. except like in the movies. And I'm going to high school, you know, in L.A. And, and then again, I stumbled once again, like I guess Hollywood was calling my name because I was literally in high school finishing up. And a friend of my mom asked me if I wanted to be a translator for a distributor, a distributor of those people that are buying movies and releasing them in other country from an Italian gentleman who spoke nothing of English. And there was this thing called the American Film Market. I'm sure you're familiar with that. And they said, listen, do you want to make some extra money? You want to follow him around and go see some movies and help him negotiate the deals because he has no clue? And I'm like, sure, I'll go see movies for free and also make some money for like my shopping and my vacation. So that's really how it started. You know, I started going to films and I started seeing the business side of movies being sold and bought, am like going, oh my God, this is amazing. I had no idea that there was a thing called independent film, right? We're always thinking studios. And then there were all these people who were having projects and they were making them happen and selling them all over the world. And I'm like, I wanna be part of that. And so it just happened by chance that, you know, they asked me to represent them. And then I, I went to my first Cannes Film Festival at the age of 18. Can you 18, believe it? Wow. 18 years old, like I went to do my first Cannes Film Festival and I was like literally sleeping in this dingy motel, like outside of Cannes. I had to take a bus. but I really wanted to be in that world. I felt it was so exciting. And and it just and then everything started happening for me. You know, I'm like, OK, great. I started buying movies for a bunch of distributors. And then I'm like somebody says, hey, why don't you start your own company? And I'm like, I don't have the money to start my own company. I was like barely 20 years old. And they're like, we'll fund you, my buyers. I'm like, you're going to fund me? They're wow. like, yeah, yeah. And they ended up financing all my trips to the markets. And I started selling movies. I started, because, you know, I'm, I speak languages. I'm, I'm, as you can see, I'm very social. So, and, and that's kind of like how I stumbled into and it. And I fell in love with it from that first moment, just like the rush, of being part of the filmmaking and selling and buying and financing.
0: It was awesome. You know, I find it interesting that you say when you were in Italy that you were a big fan of like Happy Days and used to watch Happy Days. You know, I mean, for me too, I mean, growing up and as a kid, you know, I used to watch Happy Days. I mean, that was like my favorite TV show and I'd run around and, you know, one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock rock, you know, dancing around to the theme of Happy Days. And I noticed that you had Donnie Most on your podcast and I thought that's, that that was pretty cool. So, you know, how did that come about? I mean, you you used to grow up watching him and here you are, now you're interviewing him on your podcast.
1: It was such a full circle bizarre moment, Billy, because I met Donnie most through Cindy Williams, who was in Father of the Bride. And, you know, she was in the Laverne and Shirley uh, show. I cast her in one of my first movies that I did called Stealing Roses with John Hurd and she was the co-star opposite John Hurd and her and I became friends on set and all of a sudden she's like you know you gotta meet this guy he's an actor but he's now becoming a director as well his name is Don Most and he was in Happy Days and I'm like you know I was in love with Fonzie, like every young girl was in love with Fonzie." so I'm like who is Don Most right and then I meet him and I'm like oh my god that's waffle and him and I became friends he started pitching me his projects and we stayed in touch and I'm thinking I have to bring him on my podcast. This is like such a like full circle moment for me. So that's how it all happened.
0: That's awesome. You know, it's, it's for me, I, I, I worked with, Gary Marshall. I work with Cindy Williams on a show. I mean, all those people that I grew up watching on TV, you know, I, and I, I got to work side by side with them. You know, I, I screen tested for a uh, Penny Marshall for awakenings, you know, with Robert De Niro. So, I mean, all, all of those, you know, it's, it's weird. It's, I, I truly believe that, you know, when you envision something and you see yourself and you see that you, you, you attract it, you know, I mean, uh, I used to watch like uh, Rocky with Sylvester Stallone. I remember watching uh, Who's the Boss with Tony Danza, you know? And then here I am later on, I have, I'm, I'm working on Who's the Boss opposite Tony Danza. We're going to play golf and guess who, who, who plays golf? You know, we show up to the golf course at Sylvester Stallone. So here I am on the putting green <laughs> with Tony, you know, Tony Bent and Rocky. <laughs> and I'm, I would kind of pitch myself going, how did I, how did this happen? you know, that dream, I saw it. I saw myself doing, I knew I wanted to do it. And then I took massive action, you know, to make that dream a reality. You know, they, you know, they say you want to take the island, burn the boats. Well, you know, I came out to Hollywood with a one-way ticket. There was no boat back. (laughs) Failure was not an option. It was like, I'm going to make this dream a reality. And, and, and I did. So. So I love I love I
1: remember that. Yeah, I remember you told me the story of how you make your own project happen, you know, and you got people like Mickey Rourke on on your film. And I think it's it's really I think artists, they gravitate with people who have very high energy and they love to act. You know, they love to be in great movies and great storytelling. And if you if you have a sincere, heartfelt interest in them, they will come and want to work with you. This is what I have found, you know? And I've also had to say some funny stories because, and this is like a little Hollywood inside information for a lot of your actor students, right? There are so many people that have submitted to me as actors before they were stars, you know, for either movies that we were financing or we're producing or, you know, we were handling the worldwide distribution rights. And I still have those people's headshots. I have the headshots of Brad Pitt uh, right off of Thelma and Louise, and he was submitted to me for the sci-fi movie called Dorman, which, by the way, I pre-sold on a poster in Cannes. I did not even have a script, and I was so passionate about that project. I raised two and a half million dollars, and you know, all of us, I'm like, I have to cast it now, because you know there is no script. And so Brad Pitt gets submitted to me, and get this, my distributor said oh he's just a pretty boy he's he's just a pretty boy in a movie I don't even think he can act I don't think he's going anywhere can we get somebody who's a better actor <laughs> and extent. then look at what <laughs> happened to Brad Pitt right he yeah. wins an Oscar I'm like oh. <laughs> well, you know it's what great. you said
0: what you said there was a key word you said in there is that passion know that's how you enroll people in your projects when you're passionate about when you're an independent filmmaker and you have this passion project that your heart and soul is into it and you believe in it more than anything else you know that's how you get people enrolled they get engaged they 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 feel your passion you know when i was creating you know producing my film you know and i i was you know i I raised two and a half million dollars to make that film and all the steps along the way was engaging, you know, it was an independent film in New York City in, in 1999, 2000, you know, New York's a hard city to film a movie in. you know, dealing with IATSE and, you know, just, you know, it's, it's the Teamsters, you know, they were getting paid more than the principal actors, you know? So it, it was truly a challenge, but everybody that, you know, I got on all the, the, the filmmakers that, brought on you know they did it because of you know they may have taken less money but they did it because they were excited about the passion of the project you know so i think it's tr- truly important that you have that passion for it if you're not if you're not passionate about it don't do it making a film is is one of the hardest things as a producer you know one of the hardest things i ever did you know i felt like i went to war you were in the trenches you know you, you it was a battle you know dealing with everything if you're not truly passionate about it, then then don't do it. You know, but if you are passionate, then go after it like you mean it.
1: Yes. It is a roller coaster ride. And I always say to people, until you say the word action, you don't really have a movie. That's a fact. You could be thinking you're going in production and then literally twenty-four hours before the cameras start rolling. There is no movie. And so you have to have a very, very strong mindset and very strong will and a an constant eye on the goal and what you're trying to do, why you're doing it. You have to have your why, right? What kind of emotions you want to steer when people are going to watch it on the screen. And that is so important as is also to have a very positive energy on set. What I have found is an when you are kind to other people on set, when you value everyone from the you know the gopher who's getting paid $50 a day to the actor who's getting paid $2 million a day and you treat them equally, it's gonna be a happy set. And if there is a happy set, there's gonna be incredible magic that happens on a movie. And, and that's when the movies come out successful. Most of the time when I've seen movies that fail and then I kind of dug up a little bit because I have friends who worked in them, most of the time it's because it was friction on set and somebody had an ego there was you know distance there was so many things you know it was done for the money people were forgetting what they were doing it for and people feel that and i think you as an audience as i do sure. we feel when there's magic on that screen right we feel it
0: absolutely i mean you know that's why filmmakers like scorsese you know they use the same family the same crew the same editor the same cast you know because they know how to work with each other you know, it's fun. They have a shorthand to work, you know, work on a project together. So yeah. let me ask you as a producer, I deal with actors all the time. And, you know, I've been on the other side of the desk as a producer. You know, what would your advice be to actors and auditioning? You know, what have you found during your years of producing uh, being on the other side of the desk? What's your advice for actors?
1: I think that actors need to be humble. So they have to start thinking not just, oh, you know, off at the get go, I want to work with clean Eastwood. And just think that if they don't work with Queen Eastwood or, you know, are on the set with Tom Cruise, and that job is not good enough. They have to really, first of all, I would recommend that they read the scripts, not just if they have access to them. So if they get to audition something, don't just read the sides. Try to do a little bit of a research on the story. And if you get lucky enough to have a meeting with a producer together with a casting director try to make a human connection with them. You can say, hey, Alexia, or hey, Billy, I just saw your your latest movie. And I really liked it because try to make a little bit of a contact with them because we will remember that, right? I mean, we're only going to get so many A-list actors that we can cast in our movies, especially when we're indie producers. We're not going to get all the stars. We are lucky enough if we get one or two. So everybody else that we're going to cast, we're going to cast because A, they're good in the room they're professional and they're talented and you really feel their energy, right? So this is what I would say to them. Try to read the scripts and try to make a connection with the producer and show them why you want to do this so bad. Because most of the time we will take chances. Indie producers, what I love is indie producers always take chances on cast. If they love the project and they see potential, I know I have. I have done so many movies where I cast people that they said to me, Oh, this person is not a name. And I'm like, no, I really want to work with this actor because he's got a great attitude or she has a great attitude. I'd much rather work with them on a set than work with a star with an attitude, to be honest. So this is what I would advise to them: educate yourself, have good manners when you enter the room, and of course be super professional and learn and work with people like yourself, you know, that coaches them, because that's what I love about you. You're not just, you know, teaching the actors the skills to be a good actor, but also how the movie business truly works. If you don't know that, you're going to have a hard time.
0: It's show business. (laughs) There's, you got to know both sides of it. You know, the business and, and, and the show I've been blessed. You know, I've been, I've been in the game 35 years and I've been on, you know, I've been a writer, producer and actor, you know, I've been, been there. So, you know, I've learned a lot. I've made a lot of mistakes along the way. And, you know, my goal is to help other actors or producers, you know, get to where they want to go further faster so they don't have to make the mistakes that I made along the way. I have the shortcuts. I know what works and what doesn't work. I know the do's and the don'ts. I know where the potholes are you want to avoid. So, you know, that's what I love about what I do is being the guide success leaves clues. And I've been there and I know, you know, how to get, you know, every, I have actors knock on my door every day and they have a dream and, You know, they don't know how to get started. They want to do this. And by the time I'm done with them, they're working actors. You can't promise them they're going to be famous in, in a big movie with, you know, Clint Eastwood, but they're going to be working actors. They're going to be in the game. Then it's up to them to, you know, really want it and be passionate about it and go after it like they mean it. Really outwork, out prep. Like you said, I read the script, read everything. I know who everybody is in the room, you know. Do your research, you know. Know who the producer is. Know who the casting director, who the director is. You know, go on Google. You know, look at the breakdown. Who is this guy? Oh, the director's the short, bald guy. Okay, so I know when I walk in the room, short, bald guy, he's the director. Oh, the pretty blonde, she's the producer. So now I can go in. Oh yeah, I've watched this film. You know, I had a friend of mine. He he was reading for a film and, and I said, who's the director? And he said, Vic Tabak. And I said, Vic Tayback. I said, you mean the guy from Alice, the TV show? And it was Taylor Hackford. And I go, you got to be kidding me. I go, you, <laughs> Taylor Hackford and t- no no offense to Vic Tabak, but that's a different guy. So, you know, you want to have watched Officer and a Gentleman. You want to have seen the film so you can have a conversation and say, hey, I love that film. You know, so it's really about doing your homework, really knowing everybody in that room. And then it, it frees you up, too, because they're no longer strangers. You know them. You know their body of work. You know what they look like. So I know if I'm in the room, I can play the room. I can, you know, if I'm doing an interrogation scene and, you know, it's two cops interrogating, you know, I can take, I'll, I'll play it to the director. I'll play it to the director and I'll play it to a producer and I'll make them part of the scene and I'll make them feel what's going on. So they're not outsiders looking in, they're part of it. They can see into my eyes and see what, you know, what's going on, and, you know, and exposing the pain or whatever it is in the given circumstance of the scene. So they feel. I think the biggest thing I've learned over my years as an actor is, is, you know, your job is to make them feel. Really go, what is it that I'm supposed to make them feel? It's a comedy. I'm supposed to make them laugh. Well, make them laugh more than everybody else. Or I got to scare them. Well, scare them or make them cry. Or, you know, leave a piece of your soul in that room and don't go into the room trying to get anything. Go into the room, not wanting to get the part, but going to give, give, shine your light, give a piece of you, your soul and leave that behind. And, you know, if you come in with that energy, not in your head and trying to think, oh, I hope I don't forget my lines or I hope they like me. But if you come in just trying to give and show them who the character is, you know, it's all about choices, you know, bringing the character into the door. You know, they don't want to meet you. They want to meet the character. I want to see Bob. I don't want to see Joe. Oh, bring Bob (laughs) into the room. You know, how does Bob walk? How does Bob talk? What's going on in Bob's world? I don't care about Joe. So, you know, it's really bringing (laughs) the character into the room, you know, and I found amazing success applying that. It's just, it's not me. I'm not coming to get anything. I'm trying to give you something to make you feel. Yeah, that is so
1: true. And I also love what you said about this, the story about the guy who didn't know who this director was. Also try to appreciate the history of cinema because, you know, back in the days, it was just about the actors. They didn't have special effects. Everything was shot on stage. And I had at one point an audition and we had Barbara Niven who came on an audition. Then, you know, she was also in one of my movies. And, you know, she used to be married to David Niven. And I had one of the people who was working for me. He was a casting director assistant. And he's like, oh, Niven, that name sounds familiar. And I'm like, David Niven. And he's like, who's David Niven? And I'm like, oh my God. And then I'm said, well, do you know, who Catherine Hepburn is and he goes oh yeah breakfast at Tiffany's I'm like no that's <laughs> Audrey Hepburn and I'm thinking it's this, 25 this, this years old I mean like you gotta learn the history of your cinema I mean the legends Betty Davis Clark you gotta learn about that because those people were the true actors right? right and so that's something that I also recommend it's like learn the history of cinema it's not just about Robert Downey Jr. or Stallone, they were the greats. There was Clark Gaber. There was David Niven. There was I, like, you know, Jimmy Stewart. There was like Betty Davis. Come on.
0: Sure. Yeah. I, I always yeah. tell my actors, I, I give them lists of films that they need to watch. <laughs> you know, because a lot of yeah. these young actors are like, oh, I never heard of that movie. I'm like, what? You've never heard of The Godfather? <laughs> 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 oh my You've God. never seen The Godfather? you know so it's like uh no 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 you gotta there's certain films you have to watch you know you have to see young brando you got to see streetcar named desire you got to see on the waterfront right. you got to see those roles i mean the, the, you know he made acting what it was you know he, he, he transformed acting brando you know so yeah. you have to yeah. see those performances so and you I got also a have
1: to respect the producers too by the way you know billy and that's something that sometimes people think that the producers are the people with the money And that is so not true. As you know, you've been a producer yourself. Sometimes producers have to literally get loans off their houses and get in debt for 10, 15 years to see their dream come true. So when you go to them and say, give me a part or give me a role or help me do this, you have to think that they are in their head. They might like you, but they're thinking of a hundred ways of how they can make the money back that either they invested or that they're getting their investors on. So sure. learn about that because they're the most underpaid people in the world, the producers. I'm always saying, yeah, we're
0: I, underpaid, my yeah, friend. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You know, and I and I learned it the hard way when I produced my film. You know, I was it was a, it was an ego thing. You know, it was a bit. You know, I there's only one producer on the set. Big mistake. <laughs> you know, I had the weight of two and a half million dollars on my shoulders. Everything I had to deal with every head of every department, I hired everybody. I didn't have any help. And it was just so much for a young, especially a first time producer to, you know, I had to, it was basically, I was learning on the job. It was, you know, film school, but I was getting paid. But I, <laughs> I was smart to surround myself with a great line producer, a great, you know, a head of departments, you know, all my heads of departments, you know. I took a director that had never, you know, wasn't even in the DGA. You know, I had a theater in Hollywood and, you know, he was a great director, you know, he was an actor's director. So, you know, I got him into the DJI, I brought him into to New York, but, you know, this was his first film too, as a director. So I needed to surround him with a great DP and, you know, so that the weight of all of that, I didn't realize how much a producer has to go through, you know, just everything. I mean, I, I give you a perfect example. We were filming a scene and I had a Ferrari, my character drove a Ferrari, you know, a red Ferrari. So... You know, we were losing the light on, uh, you know, and we had to go back the next day to to finish the scene. Well, instead of, you know, the guy putting it on a flatbed truck, he decided to drive the Ferrari home to the shop himself. Well, he lost control. He wrapped it around a pole and I was up till five in the morning trying to find a matching Ferrari for the very next morning to have the Ferrari there so we can film, you know, and then I had to deal with the insurance. Then I had to deal with the car picture car company. And, you know, I mean, it was. It was like, and then I had to be an actor and I had to go in front of the camera. So oh, it was just, it was tough. So yeah, producers, they don't get the credit that you know they truly deserve. Is, is That's a tough, tough job. So that being said, if there's a producer out there, a young filmmaker, somebody who wants to become a producer, you know, they don't even know what a producer is. A lot of people don't know what a producer does. You know, what would your advice be to them?
1: I would say, think of yourself as the orchestra conductor. You are basically, the producer is not just a person who is looking for money. The producer has the gut and the instincts, first of all, to pick up a story that they're going to get behind. So they know how to pick up a good script, right? And then they have to basically reverse engineer it from seeing the end game of maybe getting an Oscar and having a huge box office hit. Like, what are the things that they need? And it's not just money. It's so much more than money. People think, oh, I'm a producer. All I have to do is look for money. Or, all I have to do is like find somebody with money or find somebody who's going to get me an actor. There's so many moving pieces. So what I would say to them is read as many books as you can. I have some favorites of mine, of course. You they? know, hello. I would have to say, Hello, He Lied by Linda Ops. Love that book. Shows you the, the journey of a female producer being on the Paramount Law, dealing with Sherry Lansing and dealing, you know, with all the movies that that she saw, like Fatal Attraction, how it happened. And there's so many great stories, super juicy. Uh, Lawrence Sturman, So You Want to Be a Producer. That's another great classic, but goody. And then what I would also say is learn us about script writing because I think a producer really needs to know what a good script is, right? He needs to know if it's technically correct so that, that he can go and get it packaged and get the actors on board, has to know about distribution, has to know about marketing, has to know if he's gonna get investors, how his investors are gonna get make their money back. So you really are an orchestra conductor. I mean, you gotta learn everything, my friend, when you wanna be a producer. It's not just, like, oh, I found this great script and I'm gonna be a producer. You learn the hard way, right, Billy? Cause you had to do it all. Sure. So that's what I would suggest to them is like, find a great story, that you want to do anything, damn it, sorry, I don't know why my notifications are on. So I would say find a great story that you're passionate about. Look what the market wants. You don't have to follow them. If they go right, you go left. I'm not saying that you have to be a sheep and just because everybody wants to do horror, you do horror. Don't worry about that. Find a story that resonates with you, speaks to your heart and know that you're going to do anything it takes to see that realized and be humble about it and study and learn and network like crazy and believe in yourself and believe in your dream and have heart, heart and dream maker. And that's what I would say to them. You know, I know that the journey is going to be long. I'm not going to lie to you. There's people when you're here and they're picking up those Oscars and you hear them, you've had a lot of them as your guests that they told you it took me 15 years. It took me 20 years. So have a day job as well if, if you can because it's a long road to be a producer. It's not an instant thing. And you have to be a people person. So you and I are good.
0: <laughs> so, so I gotta you know, you said something, you know, it really all starts with a screenplay and you know, it's all, it's gotta be on the page. And even when it's on the page, if you don't have the right cast, I mean, it's just, but you know, it starts with the script. So what if there's a writer out there or maybe there's somebody who has an idea for a great movie in their head, you know, they have this, I got a great idea. It would make a great movie, but maybe they're not a screenwriter. You know, what advice would you give them? How to get their project, you know, out of their head and onto a page?
1: Hire the pros, put together a dream list of people. And when I'm saying dream list, don't say dream list, I want to work with, of course, yeah, you have to shoot from the sky. I want to work with clean what I want to work with, you know, David E. Kelly to write my script. Of course, everybody wants that. Aaron Sorkin, you name it. But just to start looking at people that you think will be a good community with you. They don't have to be super high. They have to be people who have done it and have you know bled a lot and shed those tears and make them your allies because it is a community driven business that's why we see when you see a movie you see 20 producers you know there is a reason for that everything is a funkle away so try to get that sense of community and when your sense of community is not how they can serve you but how you can also serve them because it's a two way street so sometimes people go, okay, it's a community. I'm just going to have to go. Who's going to like get me from A to B? No, you also have to think, how are you going to help the person that wants you want to get you from A to B? Because you're going to have to give them something back. If you can't give them money, find another way to barter. Find a way to give them something back because there's something of great value in being acknowledged, appreciated, valued, assisted, you know, sincerely, sincerely liked. And that goes a lot further than money it's not just about the money so that's what i would say find your community
0: and how would somebody that's kind of new into the industry find that community
1: well there's so many websites i mean both you and i are on stage 32 and you know i saw that you you had a podcast where you interviewed our our dear friend rb you know i am i am on stage 32 many times i'm asked to run rooms and, you know, do webinars for them. I mean, there's a lot of communities. There's Facebook groups that you can go and and join. Stage 32 will be one of them. Clubhouse, now it's a new if thing. You can go and join Clubhouse. There's so many rooms where people are asking producers. Like we had like the producer of Entourage in one room that he was talking about. What's his name? Oh my God, I'm like having a blank. You know who? The producer of Entourage. And so we have a lot of like A-listers, you know, even on Clubhouse. Network. But network with the heart and network with authenticity and humility. That is very important. It's not just about your project. Everybody has a dream. So see how you can help another make their dreams come true, and then the other person will want to help you make yours.
0: That's great advice. So you know you got a, you got your finger on the pulse of Hollywood with what buyers and sellers and you know who's looking for what? You know what are you finding out there? What are people looking for right now? As far as projects?
1: How would I say the market is wanting and needing right now? What's very interesting, after the pandemic, people are seeking connection. And so what I found very exciting as I'm getting ready to attend Berlin Film Market is that people are more open to human stories. Stories that are giving how frail humanity is. Stories that I want to, to make us inspired and have hope. So believe it or not, horror is not... Yeah, it could look like an easy deal, but it's not so easy. That market is completely crowded. People are open right now. They're open to human stories, family, animation, uh, true stories, books, dramas. And they also are not necessarily needing those stars. You know, look at how many shows we have on Netflix and Amazon and Hulu. They don't necessarily have A-list stars and they're amazing. And we watch them because of the storytelling, right? So that's happening in film too. So I think it's a very exciting time for all of us right now who are pursuing the dream and are never say die. There's going to be a renaissance of the theatrical experience and going to the movie theaters and really getting those stories that we, you and I are going to talk about like Goodfellas. Hopefully there's going to be another Goodfellas and other stories like that. that they transcend time and society. It is going to happen. I'm 100% Yes, I am 100% sure.
0: I'm writing it right now.
1: <laughs> yes, and then we'll listen to this a few years down the road and I'm like, oh my God, can you believe it? Yes. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. So, Hollywood, you know, with the pandemic and everything, how do you, what do you see the future of Hollywood? I mean, I, I know you're going to a film mart, but it's not, you're going to be doing it on Zoom, right? You're not going to an actual <laughs> film mart. So, how does that, how's that working out?
1: I think, Film markets are going to be extinct very soon. I think that we are going to be connected all year long. And I actually found it interesting because we have had moments where there were people that I never thought I could reach because sometimes I have to go through the assistant. I know them. They're friends of mine, but, you know, they're in high positions in Hollywood and they will not take my call because they're busy and they have, you know, five assistants screening the calls. Those assistants are no longer there. So if you have the direct email and they're sitting at home, you know, playing with their kids and they're bored, they actually might respond to you. So I've actually found a lot more access during the pandemic than Absolutely. during a regular time. I don't know about you. I mean, look at oh, you. I mean, your, your acting school is thriving and, you know, you don't even have to worry about it.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, for it's me, so I mean, you know, I've, I've had Academy Award winner Bobby Maresco on my podcast. I know before I the pandemic, that. I couldn't, I even been too busy working on a film. But, you know, since he was, you know, d- down time in, in at home, he was like, yeah, I'll jump on the podcast. So I think you're correct. There's a lot more access and the gates, the guards at the gate are now they're not there anymore. So it's a, they're a lot more accessible to get to, to the actual, you know, the person you want to speak to.
1: Everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say, I mean, obviously, this thing is going to end and people want to get back on site. They want to travel. There is a lot of production going on in, in remote locations right now. I mean, there is literally a lot of movies being filmed in real time. We just don't see them a lot here in Hollywood because, of course, we are the last people, the last state that is still a little bit on a major, you know restriction but there is quite a lot of people I have clients in Europe like in Italy who have been filming since October. I have director clients who are shooting commercials movies series non-stop and it's happening well now England shut down again but it was happening in Ireland, Scotland, Australia Canada Canada there's a lot of production going on right now it's crazy so there is and there is some in very smart filmmakers by the way who have shot during the pandemic. And how they did it is they gathered some of their friends and then they would find a store in a contained location. All of them, they would go in a farm somewhere in Ohio. They would sit there, they would have a compound, they would all get tested and they would have everything in house, live there together for like four or five weeks and make a movie. They're not gonna get COVID because they're with one another. They're not having any contact with the outside world and they're being creative and they're making movies. So a few of them that I met that I spoke to, so.
0: Well, I think there's gonna be a lot more of that, you know, if this the way, you know, bubble bubble filmmaking, you're in the bubble, you can't get out of the bubble. (laughs) Once you're in, you're in.
1: Yeah, and a lot of people who are building now stages with, with virtual reality and VFX and everything where they can like, I don't have to go to Italy to film this. I can actually make it look like Italy on a stage. And so technology is going up the roof right now. And they're they're building studios everywhere. I mean, I was talking to the Malta Film Commission right now. They're building two big studios, huge. There are studios being built in Puerto Vallarta, in the Dominican Republic. You have no idea, purely because they're remote locations and you can still keep on going. So you see the artists, they keep on going. That's what artists do.
0: So... If I'm, I have a script and I'm trying to raise money, you know, how do you, how do you raise money for a film? You don't come to me because I'm expensive. (laughs) I like, like I paid my dues. No, but I mean, raising
1: money right now is, is very, very difficult. I'm not going to lie to you. So, especially as we talked about it with a lot of people in the industry, it's either you're going to make the movie under 1 million or you're going to make the big movie that you know Netflix is going to buy or HBO Max is going to buy or any of the streamers or a studio. I don't think there's a middle round anymore. So you're either going to be resourceful and try to go to your friends and families and get some tax credits and get some soft money. So you go in New Mexico or you go to Georgia and you get some of those pieces together. It's not going to happen from a buyer, a sales agent or an equity financier because the equity financiers right now are playing with the stock market. As we all know, they're putting money on Zoom <laughs> because that's going up the roof. They're putting out money on Target and Walmart. They're certainly not going to want to take a risk to put, you know, money in film. So you have to get resourceful. And then there's a lot of millionaires who became millionaires during the pandemic because they pivoted, right? And maybe they do have money to spare and they want to get and do the next Alexia Malocchio Billy Gallo film. You know, that's what it is. That's what makes it.
0: So you're going to make friends with some millionaires with some extra money. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. The old ways are kind of gone. You know, they're going to be gone for a while.
0: So. I know when I was producing, it was like, okay, who's in it, you know, getting name talent. So so you can get some money from different territories or pre-sales, you know, that's gone. Yeah. You
1: won't get money from, uh, I was talking in a room on clubhouse and I was asking a friend of mine, who's a big sales agent financier. And I said, how much does a Nicole Kidman movie get you in terms of pre-sales? And they said 15% of your budget.
0: Wow, that's it.
1: Yeah. 15, if you're lucky to, well, now it's 15. You know, in the old days, it used to be maybe 20, 25. But it's gone down to fit. So don't get stars. You know, trust your story. Trust your story. And make a movie with people, well, we know the story about Crash, right? Because you had Bobby Moresco, you had a lot of those people where, you know, Don Cheeto stood behind it and made some calls. People want to work, actors want to work. And if you're lucky and you have a great story, you might get an actor if you can go without the agents who will sign on to your movie. And then you maybe get, you know, a rich Silicon Valley guy to give you some money because he wants to meet Robert De Niro, <laughs> wants to meet Nicole Kidman. But no, the international thing is right now is the only way to go about it is with full productions. Really. That's the only way that you, you actually can go. So if you want to film a movie in Italy, or you want to film a movie in Australia, you can partner up with some people and then you have better chances. Not the traditional Hollywood way, sadly. Yeah.
0: So, you know, I know you're into mindset, really kind of you're an entrepreneur, you're kind of, you know, a Tony Robbins fan, you know, I mean, you, you've you're, you're constantly working on yourself, you know, just like I do, you know, I, I grow so I can give, you know, I learn so I can teach. So what are you know, if you could give some advice to young artists out there, you know, what, what would uh, maybe some mindsets, some daily routines, you know, what kind of stuff do you do?
1: Well my new favorite thing is really the second question to what do you want which is what do you really want because i think that right now we are all into shiny object syndrome you know there's so much noise online and we're we're being bombarded and we're constantly going okay how do i pivot how do i do this maybe i should quit acting and i should do this we're like constantly second guessing ourselves right so the way that i was advice, actors, filmmakers, whatever, just ground yourself for a moment and don't listen to what the media is saying. Don't listen to what the flavor of the month. Yeah, you gotta do this. You gotta have an online course. You're gonna, in order to succeed, just be quiet and be silent and ask yourself, what do I want? And then ask yourself, what do I really want? And that's gonna be your answer. And that's what you have to pursue no matter what. What do I really want? And as you said earlier, it's the feeling. And with the feeling comes the vision. And with the vision comes the action. And if you don't have the feeling and the vision, your action is going to be scattered. And you don't want to do that. You want to be focused. So, this is what I would say what my word of the year, I would love to see what your word was this year. For me, 2021 is all about being intentional. And so I wanna be intentional in my meditation. I wanna be intentional in my time management. I wanna be intentional in the type of projects I get behind, the kind of people that I want, my tribe that I wanna surround myself with. I wanna be more intentional. And I guess that comes with grounding yourself and asking yourself, what do I want? And then what do I really want?
0: Love that. Mine is love. Mine is love, love and contribution. I want to be of service. I just want to, I want to be able to touch as many people's lives as I can, you know? And then what's cool about this podcast is I I can, you know, I'm not tied to my brick and mortar here in Manhattan beach. I can, I teach everywhere. Now, if you want to study with me, guess what? Contact me and we'll get a zoom and we'll be studying, working together. It's all about sharing that, that knowledge, that light, that love, that's what, 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 I'm about. You know, it's before as a young actor, it was about me, 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 ego things, you know? And when I got all those shiny objects and all that stuff that I thought was going to make me happy, you know, I wasn't, I was like, is this it? You know, when I had my own TV series or when I, you know, I mean, I had the stuff when I was in New York producing the film and I had the loft and Soho, and I had the money and the title and da, 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 I was miserable. And, and it's not about that. It's about love. It's about loving yourself and loving others and, and being kind and, and peace and joy. I mean, that, it sounds kind of corny, but that's what I really found is, is, you know, I'm the richest man in the world and I don't have all that material stuff that I had in New York City when I was producing the film, but I have a beautiful wife, a beautiful son. You know, I'm the president of the Lucky Club. I'm the richest man there I'm is. I love
1: that.
0: You know, so- oh, President so,
1: of the Lucky Club. That's so amazing. I, I truly yes.
0: feel blessed, you know, and, and that for me, that's all about how can I give? How can I serve? I love the secret to to living is giving really just giving yeah. of yourself. And, and, you know, yeah. this is, this is what, this is what this is about. This is why, the, why we're on this podcast now, because I just want to give your knowledge, my knowledge to somebody, some listener out there. And if they can find a golden nugget to get them where they want to go further faster, then I've done my job. You know, we've done the job uh, You know, with the podcast.
1: That's such an amazing mission statement, Billy. And it's actually, I don't know if you saw the movie soul, on Disney Plus, I am mm-hmm. in love with that movie. Oh my God! Okay, I'm not gonna
0: give spoiler is alerts. This the, is but this one the little cartoon one? It,
1: yes. Okay. <laughs> the, the spiritual messages and the life lessons in that movie is going to blow you away. And one of the main messages that touch me, without giving away the plot, was that one word you can say one word to a person at the right time, and it can ultimately change the trajectory of their life. So be very, very careful about the kind of words that you use, right? Because just like you said, you can say one thing to a person that they needed in that moment and all of a sudden something turns on and all of a sudden you have changed their life. You saved the life. And that makes me happy. That's why I call it the heart of show business. So mm-hmm. for me, that's giving is being at the right place at the right time and just downloading something in that moment that is going to give somebody hope and have them believe in their dreams and have them know that it's gonna be okay. And this word is made of love, like you said.
0: Beautiful, love that. One last question. So if you could go back to the younger you and give you some advice, what would that be about life?
1: I would say, stop trying to please everybody, just be you. Because when I was a little girl, I thought that, I had to get approval from everybody on what I was doing. I always had to be, you know, a perfectionist. Then I had to be the best at everything. And the best at everything was me judging myself all the time. And it was never good enough. And so what I would say to that little girl, say, you are uniquely you. Just shine your life. Thrive in it. It's going to be okay. You're going to, pardon me, F up. I'm not going to say the F bomb. I'm going to F up. Some people are going to hate you. Some people going to love you. It's not about you. It's them. You keep on shining your light and and just be yourself and, and believe in the better world like you always did when you were a little girl, even with the ups and downs. There's still a beautiful word out there. I'm so glad that you said that. I'm in love with life. I always will be. So that's what I would say to that little girl. It's going to be okay. Stop pleasing everybody. Be yourself.
0: Love that. Thank you so much for being a part of my podcast. Thank you for sharing your your wisdom and your knowledge. And it's been so lovely. Hopefully, when Thank you me. know the things calm down a little bit, we can get together and 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 have some lunch.
1: Yes. And I want to bring you on to my podcast I as well. Because we need to
0: you give me your story.
1: Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. It's been lovely. Stay Thank safe,
0: you. stay healthy, and I'll talk to you soon hey thanks for listening to the show please rate review share this with your friends subscribe if you haven't please take whatever you get from here the golden nuggets and apply them to your career go after your dreams with passion don't let anybody tell you it can't be done i believe in you follow your dreams i'll see you in hollywood